What's up, podcast listeners? Welcome to the next episode of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. I am the commissioner, Glenn Gordon, your host for this wild ride. And with me, of course, is the most racially diverse gaming cast on the internet today. Different from usual. Um, let's begin with our favorite shapeshifter, Fraser Miller. How are you doing, Fraser? Hello, I'm all right, just slightly ill. I'm getting there. Getting there? You you recently celebrated a you recently celebrated a birthday, right? Yeah, turned twenty five. Let's not remember me. Yeah, yeah. Well, just because I still think this is amazing, tell our viewers how many shots you had. One for every year. <laughs> this and yet he's still alive. Our champion, our our, our favorite shapeshifter here. Um, I don't to... normally drink, so... <laughs> I understand, man. Uh, well, congratulations on your 25th birthday. Um, have you gotten any gaming stuff done since we last heard from you? Um, mostly just stuff on my YouTube channel. Just stuff on your YouTube playing channel? Playing games. What kind of games? Playing games. What kind of stuff does the shapeshifter Fraser Miller play? <laughs> Castlevania, Flockers, Wargame, stuff like that. Wargame? I haven't heard yeah, of that Wargame's last one. Yeah, Wargame's like an RT- RTS sort of grand strategy. Lots and lots of... It has 1,500 units, each all modeled. Okay. Sounds good. And, of course, um, moving right along, we have our favorite host with the most all the way in Korea... It's super early for him, but he has graced us with his presence once again. Please welcome Dane Smith. How are you, Dane? Oh, very tired, Glenn. How are you this great, great early morning? Early morning. It's so weird to hear that because it's 6.53 here where I am. And you're yeah, like, it's midnight. It's like 8 o'clock here now. So it's early. It's too early on a Saturday. Just sleeping in time. And you're awake here with us. Thank you, man. Yes. So, yes. so what? Join the. So what? <laughs> What's been going on for you <laughs> since we last heard from you? Uh, apparently, becoming the uh, pariah of the internet. The pariah <laughs> of the internet. Right, you you, uh, you don't give God a war a ten out of ten. You uh, you face the wrath of the the fanboys. Oh, this happens. story! You have the internet hit you. Yeah, of all the things I've talked about over my writing career, up to and including calling Hideo Kojima a cult leader, this is what has the internet start to hate me. <laughs> I'm like, really. I would have thought the Kojima thing would have would have sent people, you know, crazy, but nope. It's I give God of War a seven point five out of ten. Uh, yeah. Reviews, of course, it's going to be a review. So yeah, I've I've experienced this before with Infamous. Um, people are are really really sensitive about their review scores apparently. <sighs> At least you said. At least people thought you got paid off, man. I didn't get nothing. <laughs> I should have given it a ten out of ten, and, and people would have said, "Ah, oh, Sony bought you." At least I could be rolling in the money. But 
and no, hypothetical I got, money. I got nothing. Yeah. So, what was this? Not. This was the collection for God of War on the Vita, right? Mm-hmm. And, and why did it get a 7.5? Um, well, <clears throat> this is actually a good opportunity to explain that then. Um, it got a 7.5 because of the fact that it is a mobile game, a, a console mobile... Uh, sorry, it's 8, it's 8 in the morning. It's tiring. <laughs> um, it's a console game turned into a mobile game that's not very good as a mobile game. So it has rear touchpad issues. It has camera issues. The screen is too small for some of the things. Like, for example, um, you know, God of War has all its fun quick time events. Well, sometimes those quick time events, when the button pops up, it's not in a location that you can actually see easily. Sometimes it was even like half off the screen. Uh, <coughs> so it was very annoying to try and deal with. Wait, half off uh, the screen? So was, like you'd, you'd see half the button and the rest would be somewhere in, in off your console? Yeah, it'd be off in Narnia or somewhere. <laughs> I mean... It would just be like like for normal enemies, it wasn't too bad. But when you got into like the big ones, like when I was fighting the Hydra at the start of the first game, uh, it would just, you know, because of the size of the of the beast, it would you do a quick time event and suddenly it's in like a corner that you can't really see it very well or it's partially clipping off the screen, um, and so it was really annoying. Now, like I said in my review, e- on easy mode, it's 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 just an annoyance, and nothing's really going to happen. But if you're playing that on Titan, and this is like your first time, or you're a trophy hunter, or, or something like that, then one little mix-up it could mean death, and then restarting the game, or throwing your Vita if if you know you're not the best God of War player in the world. Um, so that was one issue. The other issue is the rear touchpad because the Vita doesn't have the uh the four triggers like the the PlayStation controller the DualShock controller um for some reason uh Sony decided to put the uh the accept button as a rear touchpad instead of like circle or x or whatever that's weird um, so whenever you go up to chest or save points you got to press the rear touchpad and normally that's fine if you are not on the go, but for me, and this is, I guess, where I got a lot of heat for some stupid reason. I don't know why. Um, I go to work on a subway here in Korea, and a lot of people go to work on the subway or a bus, and they tend to be crowded. And so I kind of took the AK-47 effect for when I was kind of reviewing this game, and as in... And what I mean by that is I wanted it to go through the mud, right? If you want to see really how good a mobile port of a console game is, you put it in an environment where it's going to be tough to handle, like, on, uh, like you know, mobility-wise. And that would be a Korean subway during rush hour, and <laughs> which could be equated to New York or London or something like that. Sure. And so... Unless you want to risk your Vita getting smashed uh, or something because of how packed it's going to get on a bus or a subway, you you know you're going to have to take it out of its case 
in order to use the touchpad, in order to actually play the game and do things in it. And that was just a major annoyance that just did not need to happen. Uh, it took away from the immersion of the game. So instead of me being able to play this on the go, uh, unzip the, the game, play it for the five minutes, zip it back up and, and go. Instead, it's got to take it out, got to risk it getting broken. Uh, or if someone runs into me, oh, the touchpad's going to get touched by someone else because it's super sensitive. Uh, that touchpad is like super janky. So sometimes it doesn't even work. Um, like if I'm trying to open up a chest, sometimes it doesn't even work at all. So I got to move around and go back for the icon to pop up again, or it works too well, like at save points. Like if I just even graze the touchpad with like my fingernail, it would, you know, do a button confirm. It would like, it would say, do you want to save the game? And I hit no. And then it'd pop up right again. And I hit no again and it'd pop up again. Like I'm trying to save the game 10 times in a row or something. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's super wonky. So if you're, if you're in a subway and someone even grazes that touchpad trying to like move by you, well, that could just, you know, mess things up for you, uh, which wasn't that good. So, I mean, it's a port. It's a mobile port of a console game, and it doesn't play as well as it could on the go. So that's why I gave it 7.5. It's still God of War. If you love God of War, it's still a great game. True. Uh, I had fun playing it. I mean, I had no issues with the game itself, like with the with the battles and and the abilities and all of that stuff. The mechanics were fine. I mean, the game's completely linear as an arrow, but that's fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. So it's just this is a review of its mobility uh, because the game is now on a Vita. If this was a console version, then it'd have a higher score because you wouldn't have to deal with wonky issues. But it is a mobile port, and so you have to look at it that way. Now, I think that, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like a lot of the reasons why it lost points were was due to technical yeah. things. I mean, having half a button off the screen, I'm sorry, that's sloppy, okay? That's just sloppy. That doesn't deserve a 10. Mm. Um, it, like, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter that this is a repeat of a game that's been out already. You didn't port it well, you know, period. It, that doesn't deserve a high mark. Um, that said, I feel like, uh, and, and I hope you don't hate me for saying this, I feel like if you're reviewing a game for mobility, I mean, the fact that you have to take the game out of the case to use the rear touchpad and, and stuff like that, I mean, that's, that's going to be the case for any Vita game that uses the touchpad, isn't it? Uh, it is going to affect it, yes. So, but uh, some games don't require the back of the touchpad. Uh, some do. So, so, I mean... If I was to review another game that required the back of the touchpad, then... Uh, you know, I would have to affect it the same. I mean, uh, keep this in mind. I didn't dock points because of the fact I had to take it out of the case, right? Uh, so don't think that. Okay. Uh, I docked points because the touchpad didn't work properly. Because it was too so, sensitive or too... Know, it's, it's too sensitive or it's too uh, non-sensitive, for lack of... Yeah. What is the, the term? 
for non-sensitive, just non-sensitive. Right? <laughs> so it either worked or it didn't work too well. Yeah. So that was the major issue with it. Okay. Uh, the whole case thing, that was just a personal story. That was yeah. just me trying to make the review a, a little more personal, a little more uh, non-academic right. for the readers, a little less dry. So when I was talking about stuff in Korea and things like that, I was just trying to make things less dry for the readers instead of my usual academic, boring approach to reviews. Okay, yeah, that that was the only part that I was holding my breath for because it was like, you know, every game's going to have, you're, you're going to have to take the thing out of the case for every game that uses, for Tearaway, for any game that uses a touchpad, it's going to uh, have to have that. So I'm glad that didn't affect the score, but... At the same time, like, I mean, people with their reactions to reviews, we were just talking about this Unchained, on Unchained, how uh, everyone just kind of takes a look at the review, and that is just, not even the review, just the score, just the number, and that's just the end-all, be-all as to whether or not they like the game. Um, it's weird. Fraser, what do you think? I mean, do you ever pay attention to reviews in this way? No, I play games just for myself. I do think the review scores should be ditched, but and people pay attention to the words, but that's dreaming. It's dreaming too much. It's because it's the internet. <laughs> the internet's full of weirdos. <laughs> so, Dane, what... Uh, I, I've never really been fond of Metacritic because developers have been kind of ripped apart because of it for no reason when they've missed by one point. I'm sure some people know what I'm on about. Yeah, Metacritic. Everyone kind of looks at Metacritic as just the goodness, the the god of reviews. And if it's this on Metacritic, then this is how it is. And so that's I I, I think that's weird. Metacritic's Metacritic has its place because it kind of summarizes it at a glance. It just takes all the scores and puts them on one page so you can see them. And then it kind of averages them all together. And so, but but a lot of people look at it. Oh, it got a seventy something on Metacritic. Oh, well, it must suck, uh, which is weird because a seventy a seven is not a terrible score at all. Um, well, it, I think. See, this is what I, I talked about before. I forget. I think it was in one of my articles last year. But uh, why people think seventies suck is because we're conditioned to think that because of school. When we go to school, and I don't know how it works in the UK, Fraser, so I apologize, but in the US, like, you know, Glenn, you went to high school, what was it, 90s or A's, 80s or B's, C's or 70s, and then, you know, you go down the totem pole. Sure. Right? So you want those A's and B's, you got to be in the 80s and 90s because the C's don't cut it. The C's aren't that good, and that's what we're taught in school. Uh, you got to get those A's and get those B's or else you suck. Um, so that's why I think there's so much uh, venom for when a game gets one of those scores in the 7 or 7.5s because it's kind of like, oh, well, it's a C. Uh, so it's not that good. There's tons of things wrong with it because, you know, it's 25% off. So 25% is a lot of grading points. Yeah. So that's why I think... Uh, when people look at overall scores like that, they get like all that number salt in their wounds. And it's like, oh no, my game is crap now because it has a 7.5. It's like they're looking for validation for liking this game. 
uh, they want people to score it a 10 so they can feel good. It's like, oh, yay, the game I like is a 10 out of 10. I like awesome games or something like that. But, I mean, it, that's not how it should be at all. I mean, you, should, you shouldn't like a game just because it gets high scores, and you shouldn't expect every game you like to get high scores. Like, that's not the purpose of being a gamer. You should play stuff that you like, which is, I guess, why this is all so confusing. I mean, like... I, that's so, the real world, man. It's crazy. Lots of hipsters out there. Lots of Tons hipsters. of hipsters. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of people who think exactly like that, Glenn, or it's like I could give two craps less. I mean, I love Lightning Returns. I want to play Lightning Returns. Lightning's awesome. I've said it numerous times. I'm one of the very few in the world who are, is going to say that. Uh, but the internet hipsters don't like it, but, you know, some people want validation about things. Some people could care less. And I think it's mostly a lot of people don't really care and they're having more fun playing their games that they like than bitching about it on the internet. Do you do any reviews, Fraser? Do you usually, uh, I did Sly Cooper. Oh, you did Sly Cooper. Oh, you did Sly Cooper. I did Sly Cooper. Have you ever had any? <laughs> have you ever had any com? Oh, there's a Sly Cooper movie coming, by the way. Um, have you ever had any comments? Yes, I know. <laughs> I will be there day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I- I'm looking forward to Ratchet um, and Clank myself. I mean, I think the one that just jumped to mind is I did Metro last night, and I think I gave it like a nine or nine point five. But nobody really thought otherwise. I mean, I love Metro. I always get lost in the world, just like, ah, and then it's like, oh, I need to actually write this review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, no, I, I never really had any backlash. It seems to be, well, Sly Cooper being an exclusive sort of Sony product, but it seems like more sh- exclusives that kind of happens around, or maybe stuff that has a lot of attention on it, because Metro was kind of like, well, Metro one of those triple, well, it's, it's not a triple A title, but it kind of puts most triple A titles to shame. <laughs> it's just one of the most impressive games you could possibly pick up. And it's just, I don't know, because God of War, Infamous and all that, there's a lot of people watching them, maybe. Yeah. Just my two cents. Yeah, yeah. Those those are kind of bigger things. Um but overall, so this this God of War collection, is it literally just the original games on the new Vita, or, or did they do anything different with them? Well, that's also another reason why it got a 7.5, is because it's, uh, it's like the fifth release of those two games, and there's nothing new to it. Okay. Um, so Sony, like, they're... Other companies have added things on. Because, see, this is the thing. When I wrote at the start of the of the review, um, I was talking about how this is like I'm the target audience because I haven't played the originals on the PS2. I never bought the PS3 collection, never bought the PS3 saga. Um, so I skipped by God of War, right, because it wasn't my thing. And that was another thing I took heat for because – Oh, I said up front, it's not my type of game, so of course I'm going to give it a crap score, is what people think. Mm-hmm. But, right, this is the fifth re-release. So re-releases have a target audience in mind. 
And for one that gets released so many times, it means it's for people who have never played the game before. Because they want to, so the company's like, well, all the fans bought it, so now we want to get new people to play our products. So we'll bundle a bunch together, make it cheaper, and then get people on board, right? It's like the Saga version on the PS3 has all five games on it for one super low price. That's a sweet deal. Yeah. Um, for any God of War fan or anyone looking to get into that type of game. So I was the target audience because I've never played it before. And so um, other companies add things when they make a new rehash. Like, for example, Persona 4, right? Persona 4 Golden has a ton of extra stuff in it. Oh, right? man. The story has yeah. a ton of extra stuff in it. So even... If you're a fan or not a fan, there's a difference between Persona 4 Golden and Persona 4 on the PS2. This is just, if I already played it on the PS3 through the collection, through the saga, then why do I need to play it again on the Vita? Yeah. Unless I'm a fan or unless I'm a trophy hunter. Sure. Because there's nothing really new to it. There's nothing new. So... Uh, there's nothing to get to entice someone who's never picked it up yet. And that uh, way, I think your title was really accurate, like milking a cash cow that's already been milked. Because, yeah. I mean, there wasn't... I don't see there being much of a point as uh, to this port as just to get more sales for a game that they've already been selling. Um, yeah. But I guess you, you kind of have to look at the purpose for the port, because I think... I think that um, Persona 4 Golden, I guess the purpose for that was to really add to an already great story. But really the purpose for this was, like you said, just to bring the game over. Um, which is why I love Persona 4 Golden so much, because when you play Persona 4, and then you play Persona 4 Golden, and you see things are visually different, you know, characters sound different, I think they sound better. Um, you have more story elements, more things you can do, and it's just one of the best done re... the best executed uh, remakes that I've seen um, in recent times. So um, I'd, like to, I'd like to see more things like that. Like, what, what games do you think could um, do with that kind of remake? What games I think could do with Psycho it? Um, Either of you. I mean, the, that Persona 4 Golden was a great remake as opposed to um, just bringing it over to the Vita. They, they really added some more stuff to it. So, so what other games do you think uh, would be well-serviced by a remake like that? Oh, uh, well, you know what? Technically, Persona 4 Golden wasn't really the first remake Atlas did. Uh, Persona 3 Fez was mm -hmm. kind of like the same. They did the same Where thing. They, they even added you, a female character. They did the same thing. Uh, well, what they did was they re-released the game again on the PS2, but they added a whole different storyline as a separate type of game you could pick. And then they added a whole bunch of other stuff to the main game uh, to make it completely, well, not completely different, but, you know, the euphemism, it's a different game. So there's, ex like, extra goodies and stuff. So it's uh, Golden wasn't the first wasn't the first time Atlas did that trick. Um, but to answer your question of what other games could deal with that, I mean, I would love to see that for another Persona game, like Persona 2. 
but I, I'd have to think hard about that one because that's, that's a hard one right there. <laughs> Frazier, what do you think? I know, I know one that did do it pretty well, though, in the Final Fantasy HD collection. I mean, they completely stripped out the music and reworked it all, and it was all res properly for screens and everything, and worked wonders. I mean, but as for games to... Uh, that's that's a hard one. <laughs> I just blindsided you with this question out of nowhere. I apologize. Well, so well, now, the Last wait, of Us on the Vita. The Last of Us on the Vita. What what could they add <laughs> to that? that even work on the Vita? It's what you need all four triggers to play that game. Yeah. It might blow up the Vita. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> might just explode. <laughs> Too much awesomeness. Well, I know that one thing when you're doing rem- remote play is like they do this, um, they switch the trigger controls. So there are four trigger controls. And the, the two trigger controls, R2 and L2, will become the actual triggers on the Vita. And then R1 and L1 will each get like a little section of the touchpad on the back. And I, th- I think there's a much better way to do that, especially since now you have a full touch screen. Maybe they can rethink that a little bit, but I don't know. It's been sort of done. Perhaps they can I figure out. I just wondered out. why they never added yeah. the two triggers. The second trigger? Where yeah, like, why, why does the Vita not have all four triggers? Well, I mean, we, it could have easily put another trigger on there somewhere. Where would they put it, though? I mean, I'm looking at mine as we speak. Like, there's not really a lot of room on the top. I think for four a smaller little button it down as much as possible. A little button? Well, it's just you know, like... Just, just a small little thing. I think they probably figured, oh, well, since we have this big touchpad on the back, maybe one of the triggers could be switched to a swipe gesture or something like that. I don't know. I just I just don't like that touchpad. It's <laughs> even for games where I use them not on the go, like Uncharted. Mm-hmm. It just never worked very well for me. So uh, I'm not a fan of that touchpad. I didn't know what to think about it until Tearaway, because I, I really hadn't gotten a big chance to use the touchpad until I played Tearaway. And Tearaway just used it so well. Like, uh, I, I haven't really seen another game use it as well as Media Mo- Molecule did with Tearaway. And I think that's what made me like... Media Molecule are all really creative. They really are, and I think it's because of that game that I really like the touchpad. I mean... I think it's something that has a lot of possibility, but no one just knows how to use it yet. I think it's one of those things. It's just kind of a weird... Like, it has the second camera, which I guess is usable, um, is, is useful. But then this touchpad on the back, it's like, oh, well, you know, a, a touchpad on the back. What are we supposed to do with that? And so, I don't know. It's it's one of those things with the Vita. Like, it doesn't have enough ports. I mean, not, not enough ports. It doesn't have enough original titles. I mean... It, the whole thing with the controls being a little weird for, for some developers and some people to use. It's like just, I guess, people not knowing exactly what to do with the thing just yet. I don't know. But um, hope- to go back to your question where what games could do with a, what you said, a remake? Yeah. I heard a rumor on NeoGAF now there was no proof, but it would have been hilarious if it, it does become true that 
Sega is going to make uh, Valkyria Chronicles collection on the PS4. Make which now? I saw that too. Yep. Valkyria Chronicles. On the PS4? Oh, sweet. On the PS4. They take the three games and put them on the PS4. Now, there was no proof. There was no link. It was just some dude just talking about it. So I'm just going to leave it as it's just a pipe dream, right? It's just hope. But that right there would be a pretty good remake. Put Take the PS3 and the PSP games and put them on the PS4 because that is a great opportunity to add in some extra flavor uh, to that series uh, and add in some extra bonus content to get new fans on board into buying that game, especially if they localize it for the West because we never got number three at all. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It, it feels a little with... Because, I mean, they've done this a few times now. They did it with Ratchet and Clank, and now they've done it with God of War, and they've done it with Sly Cooper. Um, just taking the old games, lumped them together, and stuck them on a different console. And I, it, I don't know, from what it sounds like, it sounds like it's the same thing. I, I hope they do a little more with it. But it, it sounds just kind of... I hope kinda, so, too. Yeah, it sounds just kind of like more of the same to me. Um Although, to be fair for that one, if it was localized in the West, it, it wouldn't be a bit of the same thing because we never got the third game. So that technically would be new. Yeah, that would be a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Japanese people would be pissed because they'd be like, well, you already have these games. Why do we want this again? <laughs> okay. But that's the, that's the delicate balance for doing these rehashes of on... Extra systems like when Fraser did Sly, I did God of War. Freaking, like you said, Ratchet and Clank is coming out again. <clears throat> like it's just you know it's just milking the cow for a second or a third or a fourth time and getting money from the fan base again. Again, we really like that product without without giving a lot of new stuff like anything, um, anything. I don't know the word I was looking for, but delicious will use. Delicious to delicious. get them to to enjoy the product, other than trophies. So the word so of the day, trophy hunter. the word of the day is hashtag delicious, everyone. Um, hashtag delicious. Hashtag delicious. To tell the truth. I know one game I would really want, though. Oh, go ahead. Um, I don't know if any of you know it, Jade Cocoon. Yes, no, maybe. Of which one? Jade Cocoon. I have played Jade Cocoon, yeah. I played it on the PS1. No. I either want another entry or to be brought to... It It was on PS1, and I think it was a PS2. I could be wrong. I haven't heard of it Think before. of Pokemon in a way. It's like... Oh. You capture little monsters and you can, like, merge them and everything. Hmm. I mean, a pretty damn good story, but it kind of died out, and I was like, no. It's always one of those franchises I want to come back. I'd kind of like to see... Okay, this is going to be a weird one. I think I'd kind of like to see Croc come back from the PS1. Because, um, I don't know, I, I, my friend lent me that game, oh, just, goodness, years ago, and it was kind of a fun little platformer. I think that there could be room for it on the... Uh, it would probably feel a lot more like a little independent game, but I think, I think that there would be room for another Croc somewhere around there. And all of this new stuff, especially on the Vita. Um, there is a bit of hope for the Vita, I think, because 
we've been hearing lately from Shahed, of course, on Unchained a couple weeks ago, and uh, from other sources, that there are some big titles coming to the Vita in the future. And these aren't remakes, but perhaps we'll see some um, refinement in the way developers use controls. Um, Dennis, the, there was one person, let me see, where's his name? Don Mesa. He's the Director of uh, Product Planning and Platform Software Innovation at Sony Computer Entertainment. That's a mouthful of a title, Mr. Mesa. But um, on the PlayStation blog, someone pointed out that, yeah, the, the $200 price point is cool, you know, uh, for the Vita, but we want some real big quality games. And Mesa responded with, well, the economics just don't work with the traditional process, um, whatever that means. He explains it. He said, uh, we have to do something different to get AAA games on Vita. Um, we accomplished it to a certain degree by making PS4 games work on Vita with remote play. PS Now will be another way. Um, so, I don't know. It feels like... Um, Mesa feels like there's a, a complication when it comes to bringing bigger games to the Vita. And um, we've been talking for a while about how... Um, oh, yeah, Borderlands 2. Thank you, Fraser pointed out. Borderlands 2. Um, so it feels like um, there's some kind of complication with getting bigger games to the Vita, but at the same time, we've also been seeing a lot of ports. Uh, I know that we've done this topic a bit, but like, what do you think about the ports? Do you think that these more recent games deserve a remake, or do they just deserve to be stuck on the Vita like, um, the, like the games that we were just talking about? Like, see when you're say, like when he said like it's not the traditional way. Well, Borderlands Two is technically not getting done for Vita by Gearbox. As Sony approached them, and Sony's getting someone else to do it for Gearbox, while well, Gearbox kind of like leans over the shoulder. Maybe that's what they mean. Yeah, maybe it's not really the way of just having the original studio sort of doing it, but I think that's a good approach for it. Maybe or, because then the game still gets onto the console and the studio doesn't have to devote any resources to it. I think it's like in Sony's ball court to go to develop, which they've done quite well, I must admit. Since the PS4 came out, they've went to developers and like, look here, we can help. Mm -hmm. uh, we want this on our system and develop, and it's been a friendly nature and it's worked really well because the, the benefits are showing the, all the... The fruits of their labor are showing. Borderlands 2 has come out. So many people want it. There's awesome titles coming out. So maybe it's that what they need to do. Maybe, maybe I would. I don't know. We've been we've we've been speculating for a while about what's what Vita could be doing, um, and, and what it's doing wrong and what it could do better. But I I don't know. It, it's hard to find an answer on on things like that. But uh, hopefully there are lights at the end of the tunnel. Um, let's talk for a moment about Nintendo's handheld console, since, we've, since we're on a roll with handheld consoles. Um, for N Nintendo's 3DS, I believe, they uh, Nintendo apologized just yesterday, Friday, for leaving same-sex couples out of an upcoming, quote, life simulation game that lets players flirt, date, marry, and have children. Uh, the game's called Tomodachi Life. And um, yeah, it, it feels like one of those Sims-type life simulation games. I think you can use your Miis and whatnot, and you can, um, you can have relationships, you can marry, have kids. And um, 
a person, a player called Ty Marini, I believe, discovered that his in, his me could not be romantically involved with another male character, only a female character, um, and he is engaged to a male. And so now we have a hashtag out of this, me quality, hashtag me quality. Um, we've been saying we've been seeing a lot of um, a lot of nods toward sexuality in video games for a while. I, uh, we, we've seen it in goodness, it's in Guild Wars Two, which I know from experience. I play Guild Wars Two. Some of the uh, characters are in relationships, um, in same sex relationships. Uh, what else? Mass Effect Three uh, had same sex relationships. Can you think of any others? Mass Effect Two. Mass Effect Two had it too. Yeah, I believe it did. I thought Mass Effect 3 was the first Mass Effect to have it. Oh, well. No, I think you can do it with... Uh, who is it? Um, Chambers. The, uh, oh. the, uh, the... Wow, my mind is dead. It is Kelly Chambers, the she's, the, she's the yeoman. Kelly Chambers. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can do that with her. Uh, I forget. Uh, I know there's a list that say who you could like romance in each of the games, and I'm pretty sure you can do that in number two. So, of course, look at me be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to check that right now just to double check yeah. my facts. It's, it's in Skyrim too, isn't it? Skyrim had, Skyrim had same-sex relationships, right? I can't honestly tell you because I've never played Skyrim much. You never played Skyrim, right, Frazier? I, I never went that route. I just got my quick trophy for marriage, and then I <laughs> started and went solo because I wanted to find some better. It's like, sorry, so babe, I just it. married you for the trophy. Well, literally, that's literally what I did because <laughs> I'm like, oh, who else is in this world? Uh, and the one I wanted to pick. <clears throat> was not a marryable character, so I was like, "Oh well." Who did you want the to marry? Gives me no benefits in this game, nothing tangible, so I just didn't bother. You get like um, uh, they make you an item that gives you a buff in the game, and they give you money. Did you I know guess, that? Yes, but I mean, you can get so much money and so much buffing from other things. It just. Uh, just wasn't worth it. It wasn't a tangible thing for me. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Do you have a girlfriend, Dane? Good old... I had a girlfriend. Had a girlfriend? I hope she's not listening. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, do you think that we'll see more of same-sex relationships in game? Like, because uh, it's a touchy, it's a touchy topic in, in politics and whatnot. And obviously, it's <laughs> getting touchier in video games. People are noticing. So do you think that when a uh, video game offers relationships, um, do you think that it's important to include same-sex relationships as well? I think Nintendo possibly had that. What was that, Frazier? I think Nintendo just kind of handled it quite wrong they just kind of turn around and just really no and everybody's like fine it's like oh because of this and they just kind of stuck their foot in it (laughs) It, it's the games industry kind of needs to grow up 
to grow up to kind of um, support it a little more? Or it's become people still look at the game industry as if it's some sort of childish thing, and it's like, well, what's stopping you? It's like there's nothing to. It's like movies are grown up, mature games can be grown up, mature anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems a bit childish. Well, I don't know, because there are all sorts of games, and I think that the people who look at games and, and people who play video games as, like, less mature, um, I think that they're a little less informed because a lot of the games that come out are not built for young, uh, young gamers, uh, especially some of the more popular ones, the, the first-person shooters... And uh, the, like, The Last of Us, a lot of them have a lot of sexual content, a lot of strong violence, and, and a, a lot of strong language, and, and stuff that wouldn't be found in any movie that was not rated R. Um, so, I don't know. The, I guess I'm not connecting with this idea that, game, that gaming isn't mature. I think that gamers sometimes are immature. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of gamers, gamers are, are immature. Lots of gamers are immature. Lots of, do you ever, does anyone here play League, League of Legends? No, but, well, okay, as, as ironic as it is, I should, because I'm in Korea, and that's as big as StarCraft here, but really? I do not play League of Legends. I didn't even think yeah, about it. Like, League is, League is huge here. Like, when I taught at university uh, a year and a half ago, I would make jokes with some of my students, and they'd say, they'd say they're tired in class, and I'd say, oh, are you playing StarCraft last night? And they'd be like, no, teacher, uh, LOL. <laughs> and they'd just play, like, the older kids now just play League of Legends. They don't even play much StarCraft anymore. So That's so interesting because... LOL. Go into PC bongs. Here in the States, I didn't even realize that it was in Korea for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's big. Well, it's P, this this is this is the other thing that I loved when during my review. Not to go back on that again, but people talked about how Korea is kind of like Japan. Korea is not Japan. Korea is a PC market. Uh, Korea is like a console wasteland. Mm-hmm. Console games do not sell well here at all. I'm in Seoul, and I only know of one place to buy console games. Seoul is one of the biggest cities in Korea, right? Seoul's the capital. There's like over 10 million people here. And I only know one place that sells console games. Now, granted, there's a ton of vendors. Uh, Excuse me. But, I mean, it's not like I can go to many different corners of the city and find what I want. No, it's uh, you got your one area and it's just take it or leave it and it's a vendor's area so especially when uh the majority of the games that i like to play rpgs they're in japanese over here so uh now if you speak japanese well then you get to or read japanese then you get to play the japanese titles at the same time as japan at a discounted rate but if you don't you're stuck and you gotta pay a premium on the english versions because uh, the vendors know, oh, foreigner only speaks English, mm-hmm. only reads English, so they're gonna up the price a bit on you. Um, Have you ever surprised anyone? Only- like they they give you some big price, and then you're like in Korean, "What are you doing, man?" Like, have you ever well, surprised them? Like, 
it's funny, even then, even if it is they try to up it, some of them are still cheaper to get here. So I just go by PSN prices. If it's cheaper than PSN or on par with PSN, when I go and, and take a visit, then I'll buy it. If not, then I'll just wait until there's a PSN sale. Mm-hmm. So, but to go to your point with, uh, we're talking about same-sex relationships with games, I think as long as it's done in a way where it's not trying to force it down people's throats, then it's fine. But if it's like hipster BS where we got to add it just because there's this slice of the population that is homosexual and we got to shove it down people's throats uh, just because it's the it hipster PC thing to do, then it just ruins, it just ruins the game. Uh, the game isn't going to be as good as it could have been if they didn't go in that direction. Uh, and what I mean by that is the mechanics <coughs> of things are added just because. There's no rhyme or reason, which takes away from some of the shine uh, and just makes you, like, just question marks just go up over your head. Like, uh, for example, Fire Emblem Awakening. Uh, when I played that game... Uh, I'm 99% sure there are no same-sex marriages in that game. Wait, you can get married? Yeah, you get married in Fire Emblem Awakening. That that whole game is like eugenics. It's just breeding children. What? Really? uh, Yeah, really, because your characters uh, can get married, and then they have a future kid, which comes back into the past to help you out to save the future. Okay, don't tell me too much, because I just got this game. I'm I'm playing it right now. Not now, as we speak. Okay. Uh, I got to double check, but I'm pretty sure, because the option never came up for me, that you can have two people. I got to double check this, or else I'm going to look like an ass. Um... (laughs) But anyways, oh, to go back to your point about Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2, uh, Samara and Kelly Chambers swing both ways. Oh. So, and technically the strippers as well in the Afterlife Club. Well, of course. Well, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, um. Uh, they do have an internet. Do you think that there's, like, um, this hasn't really come up yet, but do you think there's going to be, like, a big double standard? Because in, in Guild Wars 2, um, let's see, what was the, the, there was a big one in Guild Wars 2 just recently where two of the characters, whose names I don't remember, in, in the living story that just went by where everyone killed Scarlet and destroyed Lion's Arch, um, in the final battle, there were two characters, and, and this isn't a spoiler because you can't go back and play this now. It's a living story. Um, there were two of the characters who were gay. They were both women. And, um, you know, the whole reaction, at least on the server where I played, this was before the mega servers and all that, um, the reaction was, oh, yeah, look at the lesbians. And, like, of course, when it comes to same-sex stuff, lesbians always get the nod because they're both lesbians. They're both girls, and guys like girls. So, like, do you think that that could... Do you see that becoming a double standard where people are always um, going for, for lesbian couples instead of male couples? This is a weird... This is a weird discussion. 
I don't even know how to this is over here. <laughs> but like it's true because there is that that going on with when it comes to sexuality. Like no one seems no one ever seems to have a problem with lesbian couples. But yet I'm curious to see if um non-lesbian is there what's the term? I guess it's just gay couples um have that same kind of level of attention that developers give them. I think it depends on the area depends uh, of on the, the world. Um, uh, and I'll get to that point in a second, but what I meant by Fire Emblem is, yeah, I double-checked. There's no gay romance in Fire Emblem. So they just add things like, and s- like on the menus, it would say, like, wife or life partner. And... You know, I'm getting very, very, very specific, very, very, very uh, nitpicky. But I'm like, why Why does it need to say life partner in that game? Why can't it just say wife? Like, there's no, like, I don't even get the whole life partner. It's just this unneeded, it's just unneeded to put that in there. Uh, if there's no, or even if, even if there was gay marriage, it could literally just say husband. I mean, husband, husband, wife, wife. I just... Uh, sometimes when you just add things for, for, for the sake of PC-ness, it just takes away from the game. Because I'm thinking, oh, great, I can now romance, you know, Krom with the hero. I kind of want to... I would think from seeing that. I kind of want to marry Sumia. It, mis- it, it kind of misleads in a way. Yeah. But, uh... To go to your the current topic on hand, it depends on the culture and it depends on where you are. Because I know in Japan, um, like you know, they have Yao, which is what's Yao? Like man on man hentai. Oh, so and that's pretty. That's pretty out there. I mean, that's there to see. There's lots of girls who are into that. Uh, oh, so it's like a it's girl thing. Easy to see. So it's like it's that? it's like a girl thing, like in the same way that like guys like lesbians, girls like male lesbian. What's the term? Okay, it's just gay. Yeah, it's just gay. Is okay. what it is. That's the term. That's the gender term. All right. But I mean, you know, because like when I was in Japan, um, stuff like that is common. Like, uh, like, and you don't even have to look for it. Like, they have a different culture that is not as repressed when it comes to sex and sexual things as compared to, like, say, the United States. Um, okay, I heard this thing about so, Japan. Know, you... I, I heard, sorry, I, I heard this weird, this thing about Japan where um, this is, there, there were, like, vending machines. And in these vending machines, you could buy, like, underwear that some girl had worn. Like just out of a, straight out of a vending machine, as if you're buying a cola. Like, is that? A, yeah, they're there. Man, they have them. They're so comfortable. I mean, and again, you have with each other. It, it's you got to look at the culture because um, we think that's freaky. Like they have hostess and host clubs everywhere, and people think, well, why are you spending money on things like that? And you got to look at the juxtaposition of cultures where Japan is a high stress, high work hour culture where you're from the job from like nine in the morning to like nine at night for the typical salary man or something like that. Uh, because if the boss isn't gone, 
but you kind of can't leave sometimes because you're going to be looked on as lazy and unproductive. Uh, uh, even though people want to leave, they want to have more fun, they want to get out of the job earlier, they kind of can't because of the culture of the country. And so that's why they have somewhat of a relaxed attitude towards other things because, well, you know what? I only got a couple hours to do something. I want to do something for me. So uh, I'll get that, you know, used panty, you know, those used panties and, and do stuff with it because I only got an hour to have fun. Or I'll go to a host club and spend tons of money on this guy who will only look at me and only do stuff for me uh, instead of on a date that could go completely bad in like 30 minutes and be a waste of a night um, compared to America where – you know, is more deeply rooted into Puritan culture because of religion and other things. And there's less stress. There's less uh, working hours typically for the average worker. So they have more free time to experiment and do other things uh, to waste time on. I mean, uh, I would say Japan is more likely to have those same sex uh, things pop out more than in America or Canada, like, and be accepted more easily. How does that explain the game, then? It's Nintendo. Well, Nintendo's a Japanese. Nintendo's family-friendly. Yeah. I guess. Uh, Nintendo doesn't want to make waves. Nintendo doesn't want to push buttons. Yeah. The the chances are that... There's nothing unfamily-friendly about, you know, same-sex marriage and stuff. Well, you know, Nintendo's... Uh, I guess I mean, like, it's more avant-garde still than uh, just to keep it the norm, keep it the standard. Yeah, Nintendo's niche... Nintendo doesn't want to break away from the standard yet. Since the Wii, Nintendo's niche has really been, like, uh, family games and stuff. And so, like, this whole same-sex issue in the West is, like, still a big deal that there's no real answer for yet. Um... And so, I don't know, they, they probably just figured, oh, well, it's probably not worth it to bring that to to the level of kids just yet, while everyone's still working all of that over. That's probably something that the family would want to decide for itself, whether or not they want their kids to start talking about homosexuality and, and stuff like that. So, I, I can see why they'd leave it out of a family-friendly game. Um I mean, having <laughs> having the talk on an inter, on a heterosexual level is awkward enough as it is. So um, I don't know, but it's it is interesting that that insight that um, just kind of how things are different in Japan, um, and, and especially I, I think that it was um, talking. Someone was talking about a big city when they told this to me, like Tokyo or something. So. Um, I don't know, would, would something like that be in less populated areas too, or is it just like in more crowded areas? What, the, uh, the panty vending machines? Yeah, stuff like that. Um, well, it's, you probably won't really see it in a small town, <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, big cities is easy. I mean, it's, it's so common stuff there. Like when I first got to the country, like everyone knows – about hentai and how crazy it is in Japan and stuff like that. Sure. And I like, when I first got to Japan to teach there, I literally made it a mission. Okay. I am going to not 
try to find any of that. I'm literally going to tr do my best not to to be like, let's not find this, just to see how long it could last. Do you know how long that lasted? Uh, like before I found something like that. How long? Like literally a day. <laughs> the next day, surprise. Like they, it's literally the next day. And I'm not even trying to find this stuff. It's just you turn an aisle in a store, and I was like, oh. It's there, just out in the open, right? Because there, it, and it's and in places that you wouldn't expect, like, uh, like for example, like the produce aisle of the supermarket, stores, or well, something. Almost like the produce aisle. Uh, they got stores, uh, discount stores called book offs, and yes, I know the name sounds funny, <laughs> uh, but it's called a book off, and they got other names with other words that sound hilarious, like hard off. <laughs> hobby off and they're just they're discount stores um, okay. that specialize and book off specializes in books manga and other stuff but they do have things like Yu-Gi-Oh cards and movies and and video games and stuff like that music so it's like such, an, it's but, like an FYE here in the states right sure I don't know what FYE is okay it, it's we'll, a it's a it's a store and, kind of like that like it sells um, manga, books, music, a lot of anime stuff, sometimes even like um, that Japanese ramune, that Japanese soda with the marble in it, and, and stuff like that. Okay. So, yeah. I, so, like, I'm. it's just a, a manga store for, and I'm going, I'm like, I'm just looking at the manga, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Some of them you could pick out, because the names are in English on the spine. Like, I think Gundam Wing had it in English sure. or, or something like that. And I just pick them up. I flip through and I'm like, this is cool. Looking at pictures because it's all in kanji. I don't know anything. And then I'm just like, I just, I'm looking and there's no signs. There's no 18 signs. And I just pick up this random manga and it's just filled with sex. And it's just something a five-year-old kid could pick up easily and read. Wow. It's just there. And I know there was no 18 sign because I found the 18 section, which was just there. It's just in an aisle. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no curtain like what we do in, in North America. The curtain things off. It's just, it's just another aisle. Could it have been misplaced by uh, a customer? No, because that would have been the most hilarious pickup ever. <laughs> but no, because it's just. It's just it wasn't even the first like even at a different book off I just I was just I was bored of just picking up looking at things that look cool and it's just the same it's just a different culture uh, they do things differently there so, so I mean when you have a culture that has host and hostess clubs like being advertised everywhere and with freaking 50 foot billboards I mean, you know, they have a relaxed attitude towards things sexual and relationship-wise. Sure, sure. Um, I've been battling myself whether or not I want to ask this, but what exactly is in a hard-off store? Uh, that's, uh, <clears throat> that is hardware. Oh, okay. I, I, I had a feeling it was something totally benign, but the name just begged me to ask questions. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's where I got my Super Famicom. Where you got yes. your what? In Japan, you would think hard off would probably be. It's a good guess. It'd be something, not what it seems. But yeah, yeah it's a 
it's just where all the hardware stores, not yet yeah, hardware stores, I mean like the hard, uh, when I mean hardware, I mean like computer-y stuff, like video games. Oh, like an electronic store. Like that. An electronic store. Okay. It's early in the morning still. I don't know my words. <laughs> well, it's really early for you. I can it's, forget uh, that. It's really early for me. So I'm Richard, gonna get in this conversation. I feel bad that I'm just dominating this conversation. Well, you're the only one here who's been to Japan, so like that's okay. I I, I just could, I just I mean in general with everything else. Me too. I I would love to go to Japan so badly. Um, like you don't PlayStation even know. Universe meet a trip. Yeah, I would be. I would fight. I would fight people to go. I would fight people to go to Japan. Um, not for anything crazy. I'd, I'd probably want to go to, like, um, Sendai or Okinawa or, um... Well, no... Sendai? That's, like, Radiation Central now. Yeah, you're right, it is. I forgot about that. The earthquake. I'd probably uh, disappear in that. TGS next store. year. I can't afford to go to TGS. I can't afford, I'm trying, I'm still working on going back to school for next semester, for my last semester, before I get my degree um, in mass communication. So, like, I can't afford to go to Japan. I like how I just spent the last hour playing the next game I'm supposed to review, and the game froze on me before I could save it. No! So I just wasted an hour. I'm sorry, Fraser, you were saying something too, weren't you? I would just probably disappear into a Gundam store. A Gundam store, yeah, I love those. I I want to go to. I want to visit a book off. Now that I know what it's called, I want to visit a book off. Um, although, just get off the airplane and just like take me to your nearest book off. Exactly. Everybody just looks at you like is this nothing. <laughs> I'm going to say it exactly like that with a Scottish accent and everything. That's exactly how I'm going to say it. Um. Although now I'm definitely do my best. Yeah. Although now next time I go to Best Buy, I'm definitely gonna call it a hard off, out loud, just to see what people feel. Um. That would be hilarious. <laughs> but they do have Gundam stores, man. Those Gundam stores are pretty cool. I found one totally by accident. It's just wall to wall Gundam figures and models and stuff. You know what I want to do? I want to go probably. I want to go to a Japanese game show. That's exactly what I want to do. Like, like, a, like a real game show? A real game Japanese show game, game show. show, yeah. Like, they they always look so... That is, uh... What? That would just be just I hilarious. Oh, okay. Like, you sounded like, why would you want to do that? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about, Glenn Gordon? Um... Yeah, they have some crazy ones. I mean, MXC, anyone? That was a real game show. They they turned it into a reality show here in the States a while ago. It was called I Survived a Japanese Game Show. And there were two seasons before they, they canned it. Like, And the first season, what they did is they blindfolded a bunch of people and took them to the airport, stuck them on a plane, sent them to Japan, and um, put them to compete on this game show called Majide, which means... Like, I guess you've got to be... The host said it means you've got to be crazy. Um, I think it means something a little slightly different, but um, something to this that effect. Earnest, 
linguists, yes. linguist skills. I think it means like, no way, like you're kidding. You, I, but he said specifically, it means you've got to be crazy. And um, they, I guess there were two teams and they'd give him like weird names like the Yellow Penguins and the Green Tigers and stuff like that. And they do just the most hilarious things. And I've seen other, like they, okay, the most recent one I saw, and I feel bad now because I'm making Japan out to be a bunch of pervs. Um, they had a girl sitting there wearing like this dress made of yarn and she was just kind of sitting there and there was like a big wheel and they had four guys who were wearing like diapers or something. I don't know what they were wearing. They had them on this wheel and they pushed it like a merry-go-round and they're just running, pushing the wheel. And as they're pushing the wheel, this girl's dress is hooked up to this machine and, like, as, as they pull the wheel, it pulls on the yarn, and slowly, like, the dress is unraveling from bottom to top. And, like, they have to do it as fast as they can to get, like, the dress completely gone. And she's wearing, like, a bathing suit under it or whatever. But, like, they're throwing stuff at the guys, and they're, like, dousing them with soap and all sorts of stuff just to make it just to make it harder or more difficult. And it's just hilarious. It was just like the most bizarre and hilarious thing ever. And the whole, the whole time the girl's just sitting there like watching. It was so weird, but so funny. But, um, that aside, I think I'd love to go to a Japanese game show just cause they look like so much. Uh, is that a weird thing to say after describing it like that? Just cause they look like so much fun. Well, some are, I mean, have you seen Sasuke? I have not. Like it's well, it's called Ninja Warrior in the West. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah. Um, I think they call it Ultimate Ninja Warrior, and it's like this big obstacle course, right? Yes, that is like anyone can get on that. I mean, foreigners can get on that. I mean, you just got to know the right people, of course. But I mean, they just take normal people, and you get on that and make a fool out of yourself. But you're on national TV. <laughs> I think it's so, so cool. Frazier, you should do that. You should. Represent Team UK. Because I've seen Ultimate ah, Ninja Warrior <laughs> on, uh, on TV here, and it's really Americanized. Like, it's this big game show thing, production. But I don't know. I've seen the Japanese one, too, and it looks so much more fun for some reason. It feels less produced, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What were you saying? I'm so, I keep cutting Fraser off. I'm sorry, Fraser. Don't worry. I, I'm I'm ill anyway. You're what? I'm ill anyway. Oh, you're ill. I'm sorry, you're ill. You should not. You should stop getting ill. That's bad for you. Um, <laughs> what were you saying? Something? I can't remember. I can't remember. I knocked it right out of your head. Um, I apologize. At the same time, I think we touched on this topic briefly a little while ago. You had something to say about PC games, is that right? I build them and play them all the time. Is what? And, uh, well, basically, apparently, globally, the PC sort of game market is overtaking the console game market, apart from the UK. Well, what do you mean when you say it's overtaking? Like, the, the PC games are becoming more popular, or...? I think it's just things like the platforms of, like, Steam and Origin and all that. It's just pushed, like, PC games have kind of went digitally longer ago. Sure. And sort of, like, in consoles are kind of playing catch-up, So, but PC gamers are being a bit more, I don't know, leap 
like lenient and sort of more willing to just take that on. And I mean, you can Steam at Christmas is a perfect example. It's like, do you want these bunch of AAA titles for a fiver? Here you go. And then, because my Steam library is like 800-odd games, where would I fit 800-odd games in my room? Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas you just have them there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I did, think that's what it means. I did Google it as you were talking, um, and there was an article on Hexus.net posted on the 28th of April, so a little while ago. Um, and it says that and market analysts at DFC Intelligence say that the PC games market now generates more revenue globally than the console games market can muster. Um, so it's it feels like, I guess it's more of a financial thing, that um, PC games are generating more money than console games. And um, the boss over at DV, DFC Intelligence, his name's David Cole, he says, on a global basis, PC games have surpassed console games, but the new console systems means consoles should show an increase. Um, over uh, among among core gamers, there's a heavy overlap with most console gamers also playing on a PC. The difference is that consoles are now the luxury item, and PCs are the necessity. Just a few years ago, the reverse was true. This means PCs have the broader audience. So, uh, what what do you feel about that? Like, it feels like a it feels like it's a financial thing, um, but there's a lot of over. He says there's a lot of overlap. And he says that PCs are the necessity and consoles are the luxury. Well, it's, I can kind of see his point, but it's also like consoles are the cheaper. And a lot of people will say, you know, consoles are easier. I mean, the game's going to work 100%, well, without bugs, hopefully. But like a PC, I've had a PC since uh, first year in college where I got my like student loan and whatnot when went and got PC because I needed a sort of 3D modeling and all this. But then you kind of just, games for PCs are cheaper to buy just overall. I mean, you could splash out because my PCs well more than my PS4, but it's like you're, you splash out and then you read the benefits of cheaper PC games, cheaper, you get a lot of sales. I mean, PSN and Xbox Live do not compare an ounce to Steam. It just they cannot compete with Steam. Sure. Um, even Origins try to compete with Steam, and it's just. But I think it's just that whole like the last five years have been very sort of changing in the game, like in PC space. Like it used to be, there's just like you know, oh, it's for word processing. No, now a PC can do everything. <laughs> sure. If you want it, you can build decent, quite powerful. Because um, for about four hundred pounds, say same price as Xbox One or whatever the heck it's sitting at now, you could build probably a more powerful PC than the Xbox One. Yeah. It'll play everything that comes out in the Xbox One and do everything else. You know, a lot of the the whole fanboy thing that I keep talking about goes three ways. The um, There's the Xbox who hates the PlayStation, there's the PlayStation who hates the Xbox, and then there are the PC gamers who hate everything else, um, <laughs> basically. Because, you know, you'll have this just riveting slash sarcasm um, discussion uh, of this arguing between uh, gamers on both sides of the fence and then a random PC person comes in and says go buy a PC instead and everyone's just like shut up go away we're not talking to you um, but PC gaming of course is big but I mean at this point you have to spend a bit of money 
to get a PC to do the same stuff that a console will do. Um, at least as far as I have found, I, I went and checked on, um, what was it? I think it was Newegg I used to kind of build a PC and, and see how much it cost. And it was a, a thousand something. Um, and then you've, it, that wasn't with like full RAM and all that stuff. And the thing about PC games, uh, as far as developers are concerned, as opposed to console games, is PC games use a big mixture of different hardware. And um, as a developer, you have to account for all sorts of kinds of hardware as much as you can. You can't account for everything, but you have to try to account for as much as many different kinds of hardware as you can. Whereas with a console, you have one set of hardware, which mean over, over like a 10-year period, which means that you have time to learn that hardware, to learn how to develop well for it, and to get the most out of it, um, which is a luxury you just don't tend to have with computers, um, not to mention the cost of, of maintaining and adding RAM as more technology comes out, because new technology is also coming, always coming out. Um, guys, what do you think is the most popular kind of game on a PC? Um, First-person shooter. I'd probably say the game that works best on PC is uh, real-time strategies. Real-time strategies? It works best on PC. Yeah, I wouldn't say maybe not the most popular, but like putting a real-time strategy on console just doesn't work half the time. Um, Even saying that, yeah, I don't play that. Red Alert on console. So, okay, and, and for, um, you're not Fraser, you're Dane. Dane, you said um, FPS as well, right? Yeah. Any particular ones in mind? Well, just uh, Titanfall. Titanfall. Just, just first-person shooters and, like Fraser said, real-time strategies just work better on PC because you have the mouse. Yeah. So you can micro a whole lot easier than with a controller. I know um, Counter-Strike... Yeah, Counter-Strike was really big when it came out, too, on PCs. Still is. Still is. Um, according to DFC, MOBA games, M-O-B-A, Multiplayer Online Battle Arena, um, are the most popular games and the best platforming genre on the PC gaming platform. Um, MOBA being like League of Legends and, and Dota and those kinds of games. Does that surprise you? No, not really. Mm, not really, but I don't really. <laughs> the um, I don't know because I've been I've been playing League of Legends for a while, and yeah, it's wildly popular. Like, if you go to just go to Twitch, most of what you see will probably be League of Legends, um, which is crazy because you have so many good MMOs out and so many good FPS games. But I guess FPS players have consoles to work with as well, so consoles are probably stealing. PC's Thunder, as far as um, F a lot of FPS games go. Um, but in general, I mean, consoles are closed environments, whereas PCs are less so. So you probably have more variety there as well, especially with Steam. Like, you have so many good games on Steam. Um, See, like, Steam, like, Steam alone, but, like, PCs, PC game are uh, every single day we get exclusives. Like yeah. PS4, I have a PS4, I have a PS4 because I prefer Sony Studios, I prefer the co the games they put out. That's why I have a console for pretty much console exclusives. Sure. But PC gets 10 
well, this is a, a random number, like 10 different exclusives like each and every day, because there's, there's not just Steam, there's Desura, there's Origin, there's Ubisoft Store and everything. And like consoles are like, oh, we've got like this one exclusive. It's like, well, PC's had hundreds in the past week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They might not be great and such, but it's like it's about there is a ton, ton of variety just to jump into. Do you think there's such a thing as too many? Because when, when a when a game comes out on PC, it's whatever you know, another game out on PC. But when a game comes out on a console, it's a big deal, and everyone knows about it, and everyone knows that it's there. Whereas if I'm on a PC, I, t- I tend to have to search and, and probably won't even, still won't even find a, a game that I like. And um, do, you, do you think that there's just too much, um, too many games coming in at once that just makes, it just makes it harder to find what you want to play? Not really. Because I'd say no. there's, like, I, like, all the systems are there kind of help you. It's like, if you want to find a real-time strategy, here's a real-time strategy. You want to find FPS? Here's the FPS. Yeah. It's, it does kind of fall to the category you kind of need a bit of common sense to go about it, and pretty much everybody has that, but... <laughs> I, mean, I, I would debate that. Hard. I would debate that. <laughs> um, so, But, I mean, do you see what I mean? Like, when, when a game comes out on consoles, it's a big deal, you know? And it's not very—it's not a very big deal when a new game comes out on PC. A lot of the time, do you think that that's something that could be changed, or that they would want to change? Hmm. I don't know. No. I need to think about that. One. <laughs> I need to think about. It. Okay, Dan. Why? Why do you say so no? So, what's your question again? Oh, your question was: Is there too many games? Is there um, too many games? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I—I I just think it's. Steam is just Steam changed how the industry works with PC games. I mean, you take away Steam, PC gaming is not where it is right now. And um, the reason why we see, we get excited about all these big console releases is again, like one, it's because they're few and far between. Mm-hmm. But two is also the hype machine. How many websites are out there? dedicated uh, mostly for console games. A lot. Compared to PC games. Uh, Right? Is there an E3 for PC games? Is there a TGS for PC games? A Gamescom for PC games? There's, there's, there might be one somewhere, but if it is, like, I don't know about it. I don't know the hype train for it. So, you have all these companies, huge big companies, like Microsoft is a bloody computer company essentially because of Windows, but they put a ton of money into the Xbox instead of making like a PC gaming company or being like a PC gaming company. Um, so that's where I, why we get so excited for say The Last of Us getting released after two years of waiting compared to the slew of other games that get released every day on Steam. But um, to go to back to Fraser's point when he was talking about how he has 800 games on his on his Steam account, I mean, uh, it's so cheap. I mean, right, the computer market right now is at a point where anyone can kind of make a game. 
Sure. Because uh, things are so easy. Like 10 years ago, you had to know code. You had to know like a ton of complicated stuff to do. Now there's like things like RPG Maker where you could like easily, you know, as long as you get someone to draw the character sprites for you and draw and make the music, I mean, it's, it's a lot simpler than yeah. 10 years ago. And so people can make things cheaper, put it on Steam, put it out for free somewhere else. Um, and, but sadly, with a console, you got to pay to do that. I mean, you know, you got to pay Sony a licensing fee to put your stuff on their system. The same as Xbox, the same as Nintendo. PC, you don't have to do that. I mean, if I want to make a game, I could just make a game and I can release it. I don't have to pay anyone to get my stuff out there. Um, I think for so, this new generation, they've they've changed their policies with publishing, and, and I I think they took out the licensing fee. Either that or drastically reduced well, it. Like now, yeah, yeah. But it's just uh, I think I think it's going to be to a point where this is either going to be the final console generation or the second final because with the way that PC gaming is going, um, it's just, uh, it's just too easy. Like you get so many games, especially the steam sales, like Fraser says, I can get this for like, my buddy got LA Noir, the entire game with all the extra cases for like $2 and 50 cents, like a year ago on during a steam sale. I'm like two dollars and fifty cents. Who's not gonna? He he literally told me this. He said, and it blew my mind that he, if he doesn't buy the game, he's gonna lose money. He's losing money by not participating in these Steam sales. I don't understand. Uh, how do you because, lose money by not buying something? Because of how cheap it is. Well, I mean, it's like you know, if it's something you want, if it's something that interests you, and it's like a dollar now. You got to get it because it's it's going to be like ten dollars again in a week. Yeah. So I, it's it just things are just so cheap. I feel like so far, um, it seems just changed the market because I feel like so far PlayStation has been trying to do that as well. Um, it, it's really been feeling yeah. like they've been trying to make PlayStation more of a platform than a box. Um, make it more of an ecosystem like Steam, and they've been giving so many sales lately, and perhaps not on the... They haven't really given away a big-time game for, like, a couple bucks yet, but, um, I mean, between PlayStation Plus and, and their random Flash sales that they have, they've done a lot of really great deals. So, I don't know. I, I don't know that I agree that this is the last console generation or the, even the next-to-last one. I feel like, if anything, I mean, look at the sales of both of these consoles so far. I feel like, if anything, um, this generation so far has proven that there is still a lot of vitality left in this industry. Like, I feel like they just have to find the right way to use it. Well, there is, but the, the technology is coming to a point where if you want a AAA game, it's going to cost a lot of money uh, to do it, and it's always a risk. For every Last of Us there's going to be an abysmal failure. Uh, like, look at the debacle between Tomb Raider and Hitman uh, a, a couple of years ago and how they sold millions, but uh, they still didn't turn a profit yeah. for their companies. Uh, Resident Evil 6 
I mean, it sold, what, 4 million copies? That's considered a failure by Capcom uh, because of how expensive uh, AAA titles are to produce on consoles now, especially when you are now making it for many systems, like on, on multiple systems. And for having it so cheap. I mean, it's 60 bucks. People bitch and complain about the price of new games now, but... You know, in the Super Nintendo days, the games cost more. They're like eighty, ninety, a hundred dollars new for some of them. Yeah. Um, and so when costs go up and the prices are going down, there's going to be a break at some point. So maybe there might not be. Maybe like maybe I'm being too, uh, too much of a downer and saying like, oh, this might be the last console generation, but there's going to be a break somewhere. Like some company that we've known forever is either just going to collapse because they can't afford to make these AAA titles, or there's going to be a shift in the thinking of these companies because the costs are just going to be so crazy. Uh, especially when you see it about The Last of Us, the rumors that the, the, the in-game character models are going to be looking as good as the PS3 cutscene models. And we always know that cutscene models are always better quality than the in-game versions. So just that alone is just a massive undertaking and extra cost for, for games. You know, I don't think there can be a shift in the mindset of the companies until there's a shift in the mindset of the consumers. Because a lot of this really has to do with the unrealistic expectations of consumers because if there's any message that consumers have sent repeatedly over this generation so far is we want more, we want more, we want more, we want more, and we don't want to pay a penny more for it. Um, There have been, like for instance, the whole debacle with EA and the online pass not too long ago. Um, Everyone was upset at EA for this online pass uh, because they it, it had people pay like $10 more for access to the online portions of the game at least if and, and what was interesting is new games would usually come with an online pass this was for used games um because obviously it's been a big debate used games that do take uh, money out of the new game um part of the industry so um basically this is just EA looking to get a little bit of that back which is reasonable but everyone just flipped out on EA for, you know, you can't do that. And, you know, but at, at the same time, you know, these new games come out and we've heard time and time again, oh, this isn't next gen enough. So next gen doesn't, is now just some adjective to describe a game. And no one knows what the frick next gen means. All right. It's just not futuristic enough or the gameplay is not different enough or, you know, people are demanding more and more and more and more and more out of these companies without considering the fact that, hey, this is really expensive to make. You know, this takes a lot of money and a lot of man hours and a lot of people, which in turn costs a lot more money. And with absolutely no consideration for that, we they don't want to pay a dime more. So a lot of companies are having to either find ways to adapt, find other ways to make that money back so that they can just survive. Um, At the same time, yeah, there's that risk. The risk goes up. And, of course, I think the quality of the games goes down. I think that indie games are starting to become where it's at because with indie games, they don't have that much risk. 
They're a smaller company, and a lot of these huge companies started as smaller companies. Naughty Dog is one of them. They made Crash, you know, um, back when they were really small. And so this is where the creativity is. This is where you get different kinds of games. This is where you get more exploration, more experimentation. This is where the new concepts and the good concepts are coming from. The gems rise to the top. The cream rises to the top. I think I messed that expression up. But at the same time, you know, the big companies, they can't do anything about it. They have to watch their money because this is a lot of money going into each and every little game. And one misstep and they're out millions, millions and millions. Um, so I don't think that there can be a big shift in um, the, the mind of the companies and, until there's a big shift in the mind of the consumers. And I think PlayStation has been working to bring that around with their interest in indies lately. Um, we've seen a lot well, of... I, Go ahead. I, th I think here's the thing with the shift. Um, the problem is that some companies are taking established products and they're putting them into avenues that the fans don't want, and so thus giving more of a burden to themselves. I mean, case in point, first-person shooters. Everything is now becoming a freaking first-person shooter. Yeah. Um, like, okay, look at XCOM. All right, uh, XCOM, is Enemy Within, uh, Enemy Unknown, those XCOMs, not the Bureau, which was, I actually like the Bureau, but that's not the point I want to go on about. Um, that is a strategy game. And so what is cheaper to make? If I'm going to make the new XCOM, let's say this is before it was released, before Firaxis released it, uh, as a company... I want to redo XCOM. What is cheaper to do? A, uh, keep it a strategy game, which is what it is, or make it a first-person shooter? Uh, keeping it a strategy game is cheaper because there's less you have to work with. You can re reuse a lot of things better. There's, a, there's probably going to be a lot less bugs uh, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and so look, you, you talked about EA. Well, look at Syndicate. Syndicate was a strategy game. Uh, and what do they do? They take a strategy game uh, that had a fan base that they could have easily turned into another third-person view strategy game uh, and be cheaper and sell better or do what they did and make a first-person shooter with all kinds of hues, bells, and whistles that the fandom did not want uh, and stuff like that. Uh, another case in point, Shadowrun. I mean, look at what happened with the first-person shooter version of that on the, on the PC, right? That game failed. That game went bust so quickly. But then another company picked it up, kept it what it was, kept its roots, and thus made it cheaper. And it's still and it's thriving. It's on Steam. It's got a it, the fan base is still with it. Uh, so I think some this is the shift I'm talking about is a lot of these big companies, they just think that we got to pump out the next AAA game all the time. When what made them good originally? You look at Square. Square maybe releases like what? One game a year now? Yeah. One game every two years, really? Because it's a big, big game. I mean, but you look at the Super Nintendo days. Like how many Square games were there? Like... A ton. Um, so the the shift should be 
let's ratchet back from these huge AAA. And by AAA, let's define AAA because that's another thing is let's define AAA. AAA to me means the best graphics. We're going to make the best graphics possible that the system can pimp out. Um, so Last of Us is looking as glamorous as, as it can be. So to me, that is AAA. <clears throat> the quality means nothing to me when it's called AAA because there's some crappy AAA games out there. It's true. Um, so the shift should be, well, let's, let's scale back. Instead of making this graphically intense, money-intense AAA game, let's maybe make a, just an A game and, and stylize it a little better. Just because it's the future doesn't mean we can't do things in the past. You know, we can make, we can still make sprite-based games. Um, you know, hey, make uh, a sprite-based RPG. Fire Emblem right? Awakening is How one cheap of them. is that? Yeah. Like, look at Fire Emblem um, and such. I mean, you go old school and pump out a couple old school games, especially for an RPG company like Square Enix. You go out, make a couple new IPs that use old school sprites, and such like that, you know, of course make them look good with the current technology, but just make them sprites so that way it's not expensive and then make some money. And that way you have a backup for when you release the next big triple A Final Fantasy. Uh, so if it doesn't sell as well as you had hoped, a.k.a. Final Fantasy 13 to a.k.a. Lightning Returns, uh -huh. uh, you didn't dig yourself a hole. Um, you're not on red alert hoping that you have to go all in with these pocket rockets, a.k.a. Final Fantasy 15, and hoping no one cracks your rockets with, like, two kings or something, um, to use a poker analogy. Yeah. So, And that's why I think, going back to Steam, why Steam is, is taking over so much is some of these people are like, man, you know what? I really love these old school games. I'm going to make an old school game and put it up on Steam. Um, the game that I'm looking forward to the most right now isn't even from a big company. It's uh, Cosmic Star Heroin by Z-Boyd Games, which is this little Steam indie company, but they went old school. It's sprite-based Super Nintendo era RPG. It's Chrono Trigger meets Sukoden, as they said. Um, and that's what I'm looking forward to the most. And it's a PS4 game. And it looks like a Super Nintendo can run it. But if a game's good, why does it matter what it looks like? Right? A game, if it's good and people will play it, then sell it. And who cares if it looks like it's from a Super Nintendo? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, there there's a lot more to games than graphics. And, you know, a lot of people are always like, no, graphics don't make the game. I say bull. You know, graphics, if, if a game has particularly um, out-of-character graphics, like if you release a brand new game nowadays and it still looks like it's from, like, the PS2 or something, that kind of does something to you, you know? And, and especially if they're like really if they're really mixed like a really nice looking sparkly background and really terrible characters you know that 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 does something to you um but i don't but it's true that graphics really aren't everything um a lot of consumers will forgive poor graphics if a they're consistent 
And um, B, there's great gameplay to go along with it. And um, when you have a game with great game like Fire Emblem, I'm playing Fire Emblem right now, and um, outside of cutscenes and outside of um, things like that, I mean, you're, you're basically working with squares and sprites uh, for the most part. But it's still a really fun game, and the cutscenes still look great. I mean, but it's really just sprites. And you can do so much with games that, I don't know, graphics are really, really nice to have. But it's been lately that graphics are, have just been the focus of everything. Like, if, if a game, how, how are the graphics? First thing people ask, how, are the, how does it look? Does it blow my mind? And then you have a game come out and it has gorgeous graphics. And we have people coming out and saying, oh, well, it doesn't look next-gen enough, whatever that's supposed to mean. And, you know, it's, it's weird. And these companies are burdened with the task of trying to please everyone, which we all know is impossible. You know, you can't please everyone. And, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a really difficult position that's had the industry in trouble for a, a while now. And, I don't know, things, we, there, there's, there's a shift. I, I'm feeling a little bit of a shift with uh, this ending movement, and I'm, I'm hoping that we see uh, some more... I'm hoping that we see some more, uh, some more of a shift, so that we can really get back to the core of what makes games really, really great. Um, anything else to add, real quick, guys? Nope, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Comes a two-hour spectacular. <laughs> well, actually, my thing says we're an hour and thirty-seven minutes in. So uh, I guess mine says an hour and fifty. Yours says an hour and 50? Mine says an hour and 50. Well, I think maybe because of this, we started the conversation for 17 minutes yeah, and then we recorded the show until after. So oh, your Skype thing says an hour. Yeah, my, my Skype thing yeah. says an hour and 50, but my timer, my, I'm, I'm recording this now, our timer says 137.54. So, um, it's still... My still point's close. apt. Whenever I'm on, it's just this long, spectacular... <laughs> Dane, always bringing the interesting topics... Um, well, it's been a pretty interesting discussion. Um, we've had uh, six... Oh, this is episode 17. We're 17 weeks strong on RDGH. Uh, so thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for listening at home or in the car or at work when you're supposed to be working. We won't tell wherever you are. Thanks for listening. And we're ready to wrap this up. So um, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. We are on iTunes, along with PlayStation Unchained. Um, which is from PlayStation Universe. For all you PlayStation fans out there, uh, check out PlayStation Unchained for great analysis and information in the world of PlayStation gaming. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you will have both of our amazing podcasts, PS Unchained and us, downloaded to all of your iThings automatically. And if you leave RDGH a review, uh, once it's published on iTunes, we will read it alive. <laughs> read it live on the air. Um, so do that as well. Of course, if you also have any opinions on some of the stuff we talked about, we talked about some crazy stuff. We talked about um, homosexuality in games. We talked about the state of the, um, I almost said state of the union, uh, like I'm Barack Obama or something. Um, the, the state of the industry is what I meant. Um, we've talked about all sorts of good stuff. Don't be afraid to weigh in. We will bring it up again next week when we read your tweets. Uh, tweet us at rdghpsu. RDGHPSU is our Twitter, or just use hashtag RDGH. 
Um, if you would like to talk to me, you may. I promise that I am the friendliest six foot seven black guy you will ever talk to. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at goglen underscore at g o g l e n n underscore, or send me an email at glenn.gordon at I'm saying at way too much. Excuse me, glenn.gordon at psu.com. Um, how about you, Dane? How can people reach you, sir? Oh, people can reach me at PSU with my email, so dane.smith at psu.com, D-A-N-E, uh, or on Twitter at Files, L-A-S-O-M-B-R-A-F-I-L-E-S. So any questions, any comments, uh, especially with reviews, because I am technically the reviews editor so i am the dude in charge of that just send me an email please make it civil and i guarantee i will respond to anything and also check out my book my novel the lasomer files choice and consequence now on sale for 99 cents on amazon for the kindle edition or if you like to read your books in paperback form it is 11.99 also on amazon How's, how are your sales coming for your book? I've been wondering about that lately. Pretty pretty good. I read through the first chapter. Not too bad. I'm interested. You finally read through the first chapter. Yeah, I, ju- I literally just... Me, <laughs> I'm winding down right now from uh, the whole moving thing, so I'll read more as the days go by. But so far, so good. I'm impressed. Yes, uh, thank you. You're gonna. It's gonna get crazier and crazier as uh, as the as it goes along. So just just make sure your neck is stable for when the lip the whiplash hits you oh, at one point in the book. I will wear a brace. Um, <laughs> yes, because there's a whiplash moment where you're like, is this the same book that I've been reading? What just happened to me? What was that? Uh, so it gets it gets pretty. It's a thriller. It's a spy thriller. So, of course, there's going to be some twists and turns. Yeah. Okay. Sounds great. Hey, pick that up on Amazon, Lasombra Files, just like his Twitter handle. Frazier, how can people reach you, sir? I just want to say one thing. I have such a strange image in my head of you right now. Who? Me? Yep. You were in a giant brace just reading a book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be a little weird, wouldn't it? If I if I actually Let do wear a brace, I'll, if I actually do wear a brace, I'll send you a picture. You have to. I have to. You have to. <laughs> Every, this is it's it's in the podcast now. Everybody knows you're going to do it. So I didn't say. Oh yeah, I guess I did say that. Shoot! Now I have to find a brace. Okay, I'll I'll see what I can do. You fell into the trap. <laughs> Dang it, uh, Fraser! How can people reach you, man? People want to send me a lovely little email is fraser.miller at psu.com or if you want to say hi on Twitter, it's fraz101. Three Zs, if anyone's wondering. Three Zs. F-R-A-Z-Z, or excuse me, Z-Z-Z. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's so weird to say. Uh, 101 on I'm Twitter. I'm Scottish, damn it. <laughs> Scott. That needs to be like my ringtone. I'm Scottish. Uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being an awesome audience, as always. Um, and apologies for the lateness on the last uh, podcast with my movie and stuff. It's been very difficult to stay organized. I still don't know where my headphones are. Like, I have stuff in my room, um, and I don't know where my headphones are. I'm still looking for stuff. 
So apologies for that, but this one, um, it's only Saturday right now. This will go up on Wednesday, and I think it'll be on time. Um, I guess you you will know by listening to this whether or not it's on time. But I will stop rambling now and wish you, as always, a great week and great gaming. And don't forget, don't be a racist. I survived the Japanese game show. Whoa!